0: This is the Rentvesting Podcast with Peter Mastriani. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Preston, another mortgage broker, a young gun who's been awarded the the title by Mortgage Professionals Australia and a fellow podcaster. Jonathan's been running the Australian Property Podcast for the last two years and Jonathan it's great to have you on the Rentvesting Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Peter. I'm very excited.
0: Just for our listeners' benefit, Jonathan, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself and what it is that you actually do?
1: Yep. So, I uh, I will work as a broker. Also have my podcast there. Uh, come from a financial advisor and, uh, I guess financial services and investing background and, um, being sort of in the game for, you know, 10 years of finance, I guess, in general. And, and these days, you know, I guess, uh, help people's uh, dreams come true when it comes to property. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There's uh, a lot of similarities between you and I I guess from the podcasting perspective working in the same industry as well and uh, I guess that's how we've actually come to connect and just workshopping you know what an agenda could be for the conversation I I guess it's largely came to the conclusion that we should just generally talk about shop and, and really inform Listeners out there. What's actually happening beside behind the scenes from a broking perspective in order to to get a deal done these days so Just explain a little bit about uh, your business Jonathan and and the types of individuals that you're working with and and perhaps the type of Common scenarios or deals that um, you're getting through
1: Mm -hmm. So I work with home loan experts and I guess uh, a big portion of our business comes through online and really, we see a lot of stuff that uh, people, you know, they've applied with other banks or brokers and they were declined or, or you know, not given the outcome they wanted. And so, uh, they come to us, you know, in the time of need. And, you know, I guess the good thing with that is that we get challenged with a lot of the hard scenarios. Uh, and so, it puts us in a good position in terms of, uh, you know, having a sort of very broad understanding of the overall uh, credit situation and and where we can place things a big portion of what I do you know is sort of investors, uh, first home buyers and self-employed so that's mostly what I see, but we do I guess get a full spectrum of everything because so much of the uh, you know the business is coming through that online space which doesn't discriminate, if you will.
0: Yeah. Again, not dissimilar. Rent investors, self-employed, and sophisticated investors, and uh, you know, a lot of highly complex scenarios that um, uh, are not going to fit or be uh, to the taste of, of of every lender that that's out there. How how are you actually navigating that the policy landscape at, at this point in time? What are you actually seeing?
1: I mean, things are definitely uh, a lot of changes from the last year or so. Now, APRA has really been the headline in recent times. You know, they've obviously come in, wanted to put the brakes on sort of investment lending, if you will. And so we've seen sort of a big, you know, change in that regard. And I guess that's kind of. Uh, news that a lot of people have heard of but another point I do want to mention we've been sort of seeing recently is that uh, policy exceptions have gone a lot tighter as well. We recently got some stats from uh, one of the banks there uh, that uh, they used to do about 24% of deals uh, with an exception to policy and I understand that figure has come down to around 2% and I believe that that's Uh, It's probably likely to be consistent with other banks as well. So where things we were able to squeeze through policy, uh, with an exception, you know, in former years, uh, that is another, I guess, headline theme we're seeing alongside APRA at the moment that uh, it's certainly getting a lot harder to get the banks to fit outside of policy uh, in in general, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I get that quite regularly as well. No, it's outside of policy. No it's outside of price, and so we, we can't do that. A big area that uh, uh, I've, I've come to see, particularly over the last 12 months, and, and it's important to frame that there's been a lot of noise, I think, in the marketplace, which is primarily focused around the rate differentials and from a pricing perspective on a PI and i loan versus an interest-only loan, and also mm-hmm. the, the squeeze that's happening around interest-only lending. However, I think the, uh, the main agenda has been to limit individuals borrowing capacity, bringing in, you know, a more stringent assessment process, be that through less restrictions to policy deviations, also seeing a huge focus now around living expenses, <coughs> a heap of scrutiny that's taking place on the actual request of seeing, you know, the last three or, or six months worth of statements on your day-to-day transactional account or or, or credit cards accounts. And if it's an LMI deal, then they're really running the ruler over it. They'll want to see the full 12 months, which is extraordinary because they're going into that much depth to really check your account conduct.
1: Mm -hmm. Agree. And... I think, uh, you know, just to give both of us a bit of a plug, I think now perhaps more important than ever to, to be with a broker because there's so, such a difference in uh, in the lenders and what they're looking for. And if you don't sort of choose the right lender and position it right, uh, you could be uh, putting yourself in for a world of pain, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Not only to give the businesses a, a, a plug, but I think it's important to, to realise that whilst you may see you know, advertise rates um, that are potentially clickbait, it's quite likely that that product may not be suitable for you or or like as you were alluding to, you may not actually qualify for it.
1: 100%, 100%. I think, uh, you know, the sort of stuff you see on the TV and all this kind of thing, you know, you may very well qualify for that if you're sitting under 80 VR, You VR know, and you're looking at PYG applicants, you can service at a high assessment rate, And, you know, you've got, you know, minimal personal debt. You could give three, six months of transaction statements and everything that's squeaky clean. If you can fit all that criteria, then for sure, you know, there's a lot of, you know, smaller banks that are going to very aggressively price uh, to win your business. But, you know, a lot of people really don't fit perfectly in that whether it be you know lvr they've got a few properties servicing as a thing or they've got you know properties they own with someone else so we're going to common debt reduce it or perhaps there's self-employment or new casual employment so i think um you know from the outside the industry looks so consistent because the banking products are so similar but when it comes to actual policy and positioning and what lenders can actually look at i'm just seeing that everything's a you know so different and, and I'm sure you're seeing the same things as well.
0: No, it's a good point because the products the products are similar on the basis that there's three three main products. You've got your basic product, you've got a package product or or a line of credit type facility. And underlying every loan, there's you know, three aspects to to that loan being how much debt you actually take on, so so that principal component, how long it actually takes you to pay back that debt so that the time of the loan and the last is the interest rate that's going to be applicable the difference between all of those different three aspects is the policy interpretation that that banks are willing to play which i think is probably where the, the bulk of the work is is actually invested in terms of just navigating that landscape to determine where someone's Rocky road situation is going to, to fit in best with what can be, at best, you know, um, pretty villain, vanilla interpretation of, of policy.
1: Definitely, definitely. How, and I think how, also, go on, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, also, a big portion, I think, of both of our sort of listenerships would fall into that kind of investor category. And so, you know, it does make things a lot more complex. And, uh, you know, there is. You know, in terms of like the strategy around, you know, building on on the serviceability and being able to actually just achieve the goals, I think, uh, is sort of the key theme for investors at the moment and really, I think, you know, makes it much more important than uh, just sort of looking at a product and saying, yeah, I want that one. It's it's actually getting the result that's been, I guess, the, the bigger hill to climb in recent times for investors, yeah.
0: What else are you seeing in the credit assessment process?
1: I mean, I think that everything is being very highly scrutinized. I just think that, you know, the lenders, they want very strong deals. And, you know, it's if you're going to fall outside, um, you know, of the very sort of vanilla application as we would call it, you know, more and more transactions are going to the specialist lenders. And going back just a couple of years, you know, it wasn't quite as common for people, you know, to go with that next level of sort of so specialist lenders that are outside of APRA, but it is becoming so common now that people just don't fit with the majors, even if they've got, you know, clean credit and you know maybe they've got a good deposit and whatnot. Like, there's just so many niches now that are falling outside of the banks. So we're finding that, you know, we're using a lot more specialists than we were in the past. And I really see that this is a theme that is probably going to continue for the foreseeable future as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably going to be a couple of years prior to the dust actually settling, particularly with what may come through from the Royal Commission over the coming 20 mm-hmm. months. I don't think that it will be any big surprise that um, the banks have been naughty on occasion and uh, did the wrong thing but it'll be interesting to see what the ramifications of of that will be and look banks have been out there making money for a long time they're, they're very good at doing it so i'm sure in one way or another um, it'll trickle through to to consumers uh, as well so it'll be interesting to see one thing that's particularly frustrating, I find at the moment here, Jonathan, you might be able to, to resonate as well, is it's just the timelines that are involved. The more stringent the assessment is becoming, the longer it's actually taking to, to get a deal through. And I don't know if if they actually align to you know standard finance clauses at the moment, because getting a deal done in fourteen days, you'd think would be plenty of time. But on more occasions than I would prefer, I'm sweating on those timelines just to get the decision out of credit.
1: A hundred percent. A lot of the times, like in New South Wales and stuff, you know, we've got vendors that only want to do five days. And exactly as you said, the, the sort of way things are being assessed and scrutinized so much more harshly, you know, to get to formal in that time, you need a lender that's going to pick up the file fast And really, you need to get through the first assessment or you need to get through with, you know, sort of only one perhaps question that you can tick off. Uh, Otherwise, it's pretty much just no hope. And the thing is that the banks, uh, and I mean sort of a lot of lenders in general, not to specifically, I guess, pick on banks here, is that, yeah, they've little interest in what uh, people's actual finance clause timelines are. Uh, And so that's that's one of the things. So uh, it's interesting, but... I think that, you know, hopefully in time that they are going to sort of rectify that, but certainly it is causing, you know, some stress definitely for people who have signed, you know, contracts and they've got a a limited finance clause there. Uh, So that is just another factor that has to sort of impact in the assessment and choosing the right lender. And so not only do you have to fit it in terms of policy and and getting it right from the get go but you've got to get it done uh, very quickly as well so yeah. that's uh that's one of the big changes I agree with yeah
0: and uh, some are far better at processing than than others as well but anyway that's uh, that's all the stuff that that happens at uh, at the back end rentvesting.com.au is proudly in partnership with Loans only Australia's leading investment lending specialists visit them at loansonly.com.au. So looking at the crystal ball then, Jonathan, what what are your predictions for the future? What do you think may happen with interest rates? Um, What do you think may happen with with future changes from a policy perspective as well that uh, may have an impact on individuals' ability to continue leveraging?
1: I think in terms of, I guess, interest rates first, I'm not seeing huge jumps in the near future. And quite interestingly, we've seen, you know, some of the banks' IO rates even come down in recent times. And I think that certainly... They have, and that's certainly a welcome change. And I think something that took few people by surprise because we saw, you know, IO rates really skyrocket in recent times. And so, you know, to see that is quite welcome. And so, really, I think that it's going to be a subdued situation for some time in terms of interest rates. The key variables, really, you know, while they talk about inflation, what it's really going to come down to those, you know, income growth and then potentially the financial markets uh, increasing the cost of funding there. But look, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, not a significant change over the next one to two years. Sure, we might see, you know, let's say, you know, half a percent here and there, and, and you know, maybe there's a little bit more than that. But I'm not expecting a two or three percent move to occur in the next two years or anything. So I think we're going to be in a, a relatively subdued market in terms of how we see. Moves in terms of interest rates But obviously this can move pretty quickly Uh, And I really think in terms of Just sort of the way policy And and the way lending criteria is going I like to think that we've sort of Reached a peak in terms of uh, That, you know, new tightening measures Are coming in Uh, That might be uh, overly optimistic uh, But I like to think that things have You know, the, the tightening has sort of slowed down And I don't think they've started loosening yet And I think it might be some years till we start to see things start to loosen. But I think we're seeing less sort of tightening happen. Whereas before it was kind of like every month or, you know, whatever, every couple of weeks, you know, Afra was going to look at this differently, then they're going to look at that differently. And then, you know, this lender had been cracked down on this and et cetera, et cetera. But it seems sort of like the the dust is starting to settle a little bit. But I still think it's going to be, you know, the main domain of specialist lenders for investors for the next couple of years. Uh, I know that you know market always, markets always go through a tightening and then uh, loosening of regulation kind of cycle, and obviously that's what we're seeing a little bit in the US with Trump and everything come in, but I do think it's going to be some years before we see the loosening of regulation in Australia, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think from uh, the broker channel as well, I think there's going to probably be a, a lot more compliance measures that, uh, be, that will be brought in uh, regarding responsible lending um, as well. And really ensuring that um, product selection or product recommendation is is going to truly be in in uh, the client's best interests as, as well, or maybe a different interpretation placed around the product not being unsuitable for for the client's recommendations or client circumstances, I, I I should say. So that'll be I think that'll probably be largely a wash up of um, what may come out of the the royal commission, but. In terms of interest rates, yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with you. I don't think there's going to be too much um, movement. I think uh, they're going to definitely be chasing prime lending opportunities within the owner-occupied space, low LVRs, good solid PAYG incomes, you know, good good disposable income uh, through or discretionary income through their servicing calculators. that They're always going to attract at the best rates. Um, and I think we've probably seen these uh, pricing reductions from an interest-only perspective more recently because banks have realised they, they've overshot the mark. They put the handbrake mm. on too, too hard and they've got capacity in, in their books. Around Christmas time, there was two different lenders that I got phone calls from their BDMs directly to say, hey, Pete, you know, uh, we're not going to advertise this, but if you've got you know, investors that have got LVRs 70% or less – We're going to give them X rate. We're not going to advertise this, but, um, you know, just quietly send us your business. So I I think there's going to probably be more of that uh, go on until they actually properly adjust and and realise what pipeline they've got and and how quickly they can build that capacity to sit within the parameters that
1: APRA have now set. um... 100%, 100%. I think also on the interest only, you know, topic... Uh, while you know the recent changes have been for IO rates to go up a lot, and certainly you know we're not seeing a reduction recently in terms of variable IO rates because the banks are sort of you know keeping everyone who's stuck there, uh, you know they're keeping them stuck there. Uh, we've got to remember that I guess interest only is significantly more profitable for a bank now uh, because it's a it's a loan that's not amortizing, uh, and so I remember seeing the you know, profitability is around that and it's significantly more profitable for a bank to originate I.O. loans. Now, of course, the regulator doesn't like that, but at the same time, I think that once you sort of release the shackles, if you will, from the banks, you know, they're going to try and, you know, be as freely welcoming of interest only as possible, as long as they remain within their, you know, responsible lending guidelines. Because, you know, end of the day, you know, these are money making machines, you know, the executives got to get their bonuses, everyone's got to make money. And fair enough, because really, you know, the banks are owned by shareholders and the vast majority of shareholders are everyday Australians through their super funds and everything. So, you know, you should want them to be profitable. Uh, obviously, as investors, you know, we've sort of got that point where we're sort of a little bit stuck in between those two I guess avenues but you know I guess people have to always remember that it's the everyday Australian that does own those banks Uh, so I think that that's that's something there and and I do think that eventually we are going to see IO more freely available again just because it is so much more profitable for the banks to hold on their books yeah.
0: Jonathan tell us about uh, the Australian Property Podcast how long you've been running it for and uh, how can uh, listeners tune in?
1: Uh, it's been a bit more than two years now. Uh, main way would be through iTunes, and you can also find it uh, at AustralianPropertyPodcast dot com dot au. So uh, check it out if you've uh, got some extra time, and I'd really appreciate you tuning in. Yeah,
0: and obviously be sure to leave a rating and review. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent, but only if it's five stars. <laughs> so <laughs> of course.
0: Hey, Jonathan, thank you very much for giving up your time and sharing your knowledge and expertise. I, I know you're out there smashing it down in Sydney, so, so well done to you, and uh, thanks for making the contribution to the Renfesting podcast.
1: I really appreciate having me on the show. Keep up the good work as well, and, uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Rentvesting Podcast. We'll continue bringing you the latest investment strategies and news. So stay updated by subscribing to the podcast and by utilizing the free resources at rentvesting.com.au. If you do genuinely enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review. Mightn't seem important. However, it helps us more than you think. Here's to your investing success. rentvesting.com.au Rethink, reinvent, rent